0: the thing is weddings are, uh, especially arranging uh, weddings and where people sit is a, is an interesting thing um, because uh, you're trying to get people together with people that they know. Um, and and usually, um, again, not that I've had too many weddings myself, but um, when you arrange it, you sort of put your families close or especially your immediate family close to you because so, they've sort of got a place of Oh, and then you're the really special friends and if you have a really big wedding or if you go to a really really big wedding and you're way at the back it may be saying something on how valued you are like um, and I remember there was one such wedding um, uh, good good mate of a few of us and we'd all went to the wedding and we got put at the table way at the back and straight away I knew why like um, because if we would have distracted during the reception if we were any closer up, at the front um, there were like there was jokes happening through speeches and it was like it was yeah they, they knew exactly what they were doing when they put us uh, that that far away um, but today we're going to be talking about changing the world one meal at a time and, and as I said two weeks ago we looked at Paul's two-pronged approach to evangelism he said, there are people who are gifted to be evangelists who will see an opportunity and they will grab it and someone will come and confess their sins and repent and come to God and you go, oh, wow, I wish that was me. Or some of you go, oh, wow, I'm glad it's not me. Like, that's maybe the way you're feeling about that. But the thing is, but at the same time, Paul's saying, not everyone's like that. God didn't make everyone that way and that's okay. But at the same time, as a, what did God call the rest of us to be? Okay, not looking good. No, not disciples. What was the word? It started with a Q. He wanted us to be questionable, not in this bad sense. Going, oh, that person's got a questionable character. Um, or looking at that guy, he's a bit sus over there. Like, um, no, questionable in the way that we live, that we invoke surprise in people. They go, hey, what? What do you want about? Why? Why do you live this way? Why do you do those things? And in fact, we talked about the early church so much that they they were so attractional because they were willing to go into um, areas that were affected by the plague and care for people. They were willing to put themselves at risk and care for people and they were willing to give food to people so much so that the Roman government that was anti-Christian said, you know what, we've actually got to start doing this ourselves to take a bit of uh, the reputation away from the Christians. But again, because the Christians were motivated by love, they kept on doing it. But because the other people were forced to do it, they go, "We don't want to do nice stuff to other people. We don't want to do that." And so, basically, the church, the early church, surprised the world by the way it acted. And, and today, we're going to be sort of um, looking at, at moving the direction a little bit. Before we look at that, I want to ask you a question. And so, so don't put the next slide up yet, Josiah i will ask you this question, see you can actually get Complete this following sentence. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, that's one of them. Any others? To serve? Yep. So basically we've got two of them. There's a third one that will probably surprise you not quite not not the phrase the son of man so throw up the next slide Josiah eating and drinking ah oh, get another chocolate hands they're not mine to give but give it one um, so but the thing is to, to actually to he came eating and drinking so the first two actually talk about what he did or what he was trying to achieve he was coming to seek and save the lost he was coming to serve but how did he do it Eating and drinking. Now some of you guys are experts at that. <laughs> so I didn't say girls, so go, well, I'll, let, I'll let you off. But, but the thing is, like, we, we love getting together and having our coffees and having a nice meal and, and doing that. And Jesus said this was the method that he used to actually achieve the first two. So if we were meant to like um, take up our cross and follow Jesus and do as He did, and we need to seek and save the lost, and we need to come to serve, how can we do that? We can do that through eating and drinking. And so today I want to talk about this way of actually serving those around us, Um, and through this, and especially blessing people. We we talked about the the homework of blessing three other people. Well, this becomes one of the ways that you can be a blessing to others. And the the table is a really important thing when it comes to I suppose Jewish culture and we need to understand the context of that because it has been strongly weakened in outs. Um, even meals become, like the, the idea of takeaway meals, you can drive through a drive through, put the food on your front seat, you can eat it before you get to the next red light. Like that, that comes as an idea that our world has. Or if you're at home, okay, well, let's turn the TV on, we'll, everyone sits up in front of the TV, we'll have our food. It doesn't the mealtime is not about being together; it's about uh, an activity while we're doing another activity, and so it's actually lessened uh, its value. And you can actually see the weakness of that in our, our um, in our culture. But first of all, the table can be a surprising place because our table can be a doorway where we actually meet a physical need um, on the way um, on the way to putting our feet up. On a, on a doorway, we we by, bypass. Um, Altogether, and it could be so much more. One of the most surprising things about Jesus was who he ate with. Like the the, the people that were against Jesus regularly accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. And the reason they did that was because of who he had meals with. He would eat with um, um, sinners and tax collectors. He would go to parties with these people. Um, He would eat with prostitutes. And so he gave his enemies plenty of ammunition. He began his public ministry by providing more wine at a wedding feast. Now, indeed, the miracle of Cana, which we find in John uh, chapter 2, is a great example of the surprising nature of the table. Because the water jars that Jesus used um, to turn water into, um, into wine were set aside for the ceremonial washing associated with Jewish purification rites. If a Jew felt um, like they had been contaminated by contact with Gentiles, they would wash uh, in water and recite certain prayers to restore themselves to sanctified their sanctified state before God. So much like a, an ancient sanit- hand sanitizer. So to prevent, like, Gentiles, sort of COVID, we don't want to get any sort of spiritual um, sort of disease from these other people. We're going to wash ourselves with this. And Jesus took this symbol of separation. Um, Between Jews and Gentile, between the holy and unholy, and he fills it with wine. Um, The universe, a symbol of hospitality and inclusion and fellowship, he then continues to do all through his uh, to do this all through his earthly ministry. In fact, a number of the miracles that Jesus performed included food. A number of times when he taught his disciples was around the table. Um, In Luke's gospel, you see Jesus use the table all the time to surprise his fellow guests. He's at a table with Simon the Pharisee and it's at that table that Jesus accepts the worship of a sinful woman and criticises the self-righteousness of Simon. It is at a table that Jesus dispenses advice for how to welcome the poor into our lives. And it's at a table that Jesus reveals himself as the risen Lord at Emmaus. He he walked all the way to Emmaus and and his disciples didn't recognise him and he sat down for a meal and as he broke the bread... They realise, oh, this is Jesus. We need to use our to break down the walls to separate people in our society. Surprise the world by who you invite to share your table. The thing is, I remember many years ago, before I was married, um, I was attending a wedding myself. And uh, again, I was playing with a, a group of my friends. I knew most of them. Um, but there was a couple of people there that I didn't know. And so as we are going around the table, um, one of the guys who to everyone else he was quite outgoing he said where do you where do you know the bride and groom from and so everyone went around and most people actually knew the bride and groom from church so that was their answer oh we know them from church we know them from church church now this person who was saying this wasn't religious at all sort of what shutters going down going oh thanks thanks bride and groom thanks for throwing me at this table but then he came to me, and the thing is, I I knew the couple, I, um, I'd i been at, at church events with them, but they were old family friends, so that's what I, so he, not that I lied, not that I hid that, but all of a sudden he went, oh, there's a normal guy at the table, and he's thinking, "No, oh, how did he see that in me? But anyway, that's what he thought, he thought, I'm a normal, so we actually got on really well throughout this meal, and as we were, we, we got together, we made a video for the bride and groom, and had jokes about we had some really good meal together as we sat down and shared, and very relaxed. And in the end, he sort of said, oh, what do you do? And at this point in time, studying to be a pastor, but also pastoring a small church. And so I told him, I'm, I'm a Bible student and I'm a pastor. Out of surprise, he's going, you? Like, but... You, like, you're so normal. Again, he had a, a, a preconceived idea about Christians. And when everyone at that table said, I know you from church, all of a sudden he goes, I know, I'm going to be on guard because I know what to expect from you guys. And because we had a meal with various, because we actually got to know each other, all of a sudden his perception of Christians were radically changed at that meal. And so the table becomes a place, uh, again, because we, we, we so much to that, we surprise the world. Uh, in his book, Surprise World, Michael Frost says, we should be radical socialisers. Um, so how can your socialisers be more radical? Maybe that's a little bit of extra spice here and there. Um, but what we need to think about is an invite to our table can speak volumes. Uh, Luke 14, 13 and 14. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And I think it's really easy to invite people that we enjoy spending time with, um, or maybe we have to. They're related to us. We've got to. we got to do stuff with. We'll invite them. But sometimes, and even at church, we go. Do you know what? These people at church, I really don't mind sort of spending more time with them, and maybe not so much the other people. When you actually invite someone into your home. What it says to them is that you're valued. You're valued to me. Just straight away you started that position. You actually started a place where you're saying, hey, I find you special enough to bring you into this, into my home, to put up with my children and to eat my food. Maybe they're going, what are you doing to punish me? But but it actually says you are valued. It also says you are real. I, I don't know about you, but like nah, having a family four kids, when people come to our place for a meal... If it goes 80% well, that's great. Um, and, and usually that's sort of that's, that's that's an overconfidence right there. Like I'll have one child not eating, um, other kids kicking each other under the table, cups being spilt on the table, and and my wife will be going, oh, "I'm so sorry for this." So and I'm going, but the thing is, it shows you that we're real. It shows you, like okay, we go through shows, we go through other things. It's, it's not some perfect place here at the Rose family that. You'll never be good enough for it. Hey, we're like you, just like you. It gives us simple ways to testify about God. I suppose when the family was young and you, we had people come over you, I, but I felt a little bit awkward about pushing grace upon everyone. Okay, oh, maybe they don't feel like the same grace. But as I, my kids got older, I went, I don't want my kids to feel like I'll go that place when we're by ourselves. So as I to them, but also an opportunity for others, we'd say grace. So, when my kids have friends over, we say grace. We thank God for what He's given us. We, we sort of um, have um, friends who we haven't seen in a long time that, again, like, and so even a simple way in that way to, to do that. And what it sees is, what I see at times the kids who are there will ask my children, What do you say, grace? My kids have an opportunity to share faith. There was a family that sat down at, at the table and Dad asked his young son to say grace over the meal and while the family waited the little boy, he quickly eyed off every single fish which his mother had prepared and then he bowed his head. It's great. Lord, I don't like the look of it, but thank you, I'll eat it anyway. I suppose that's even a way that we can sort of test what God is doing. Um In their book right here, right now, Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford say sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. So the table can be a surprising place that gets people asking why we break bread or share a meal with unexpected guests. But secondly, the table fosters community. Have you ever seen um, a couple eating at a restaurant in complete silence? No, they, if they go, well, if I go out to a restaurant with my wife, uh, oh, on their phones, okay. It's a, but if I go out for a restaurant to eat a meal with my wife, it's actually for the opportunity to actually talk it's not to actually go, um, how can I ignore her for the next period of time? Like, um, uh, And if anyone finds that as a goal I'm going to try to achieve, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But the thing is, it seems odd if you go out... Uh, even as a family, we try to, uh, amidst that hurry up and eat your food and stop um, playing with your food and, and don't drink any more drink, we will go, <laughs> hey, what did you do today? What was the favourite thing that happened? And, and, and in our house what happens is that the other children wait for the, t- the child that is speaking to take a longer breath and then they jump in over the top. So that's how it happens in our house. We, we have quite random segues like, okay, I'm, I'm sort of talking about this and this, but it's actually a forum for conversation and entertainment for rest and reconciliation. And at the table we talk and see that's where in the mo- TVs with fast food all of a sudden it's actually been a breakdown um, which has robbed us of that time together so instead of just inviting your neighbours to church or to a church event why not start by inviting them to your table inviting to your home Christians can be the victims of the holy huddle can't we where we kind of just hang out with one another we can only invite we only invite other Christians to our tables because we feel more comfortable with each other they're not going to ask us questions. They're not going to talk about. But I think Jesus calls us to foster community with unbelievers as well. In Jesus' time, a person would never eat with someone of a different social standing, and certainly never with someone of a different religion. Jews eating at the tables of Gentiles would never be something they would ever imagine. But Jesus turns this. he ate with them first, and asked for repentance of them later. Are we at a place where we're, we're wanting people to be good enough to pay? And we see this in the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Um, Zacchaeus was was someone that um, people didn't want much to do with. But he heard that Jesus was coming to So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed up a tree so he could be seen. And and we see in Luke 19, 5 and 6, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus actually flipped. He didn't actually invite Zacchaeus to his house. He invited him to Zacchaeus' house. Now again, but that's not beyond the, 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 the I suppose, the idea for us. Maybe, maybe you're a, someone you go, oh, it's, maybe it's me and my wife, or maybe it's me by myself. How can I invite a family of, oh, how can I bring the Rose family into my house? You might turn around, hey, I, I'm, I'm cooking up some food. Can I bring it along and join it with your meal and share a meal with you tonight? Like, unless it's really disgusting food, I don't think they're going to say no. Like, I think that they would be happy to spend that time and Ben Myers actually says this of that story and, uh, and, uh, and other stories of Jesus that Jesus' presence at the sinner table contact triggered repentance and conversion flowered so basically Jesus would make contact with them and as they made contact with Jesus in, all of a sudden they wanted to change their life and because of that all of a sudden they wanted to become a Christian and so that time together um, blossomed into conversion Conversion flowered from communion. What a beautiful expression. We see exactly that the story of Zacchaeus. I remember years ago I was at a high camp uh, at Luther Heights on the sunny coast um, at Coolum and we, we spent a number of years there for camp and I was there as a, as a leader um, and it had, a, when I first started going to the camp, it had this whole time. and it was sort of a love-hate relationship because I had the people in there that when you sat down, you were snug. So snug, in fact, if you had to get up, the people either side of you had to get up at the same time, because otherwise you had to oil yourself up and go, and sort of get sucked. It was tight. Um, and so every now and again, um, we would, and uh, this was when I was a leader, we would actually go, rather than have every meal in the dining hall, where we could, we would have outside so one day we'd have hot dogs for lunch. And and so basically, and the good thing was because most, most, um, you had to sit with your team. And I, again, I, I loved my team most years and things like that. But every now and again, like, if you wanted to hang out and chat with the leaders a bit more, chat some kids from your youth group, it gave you a bit of freedom. And I remember, um, lining up with some, some of my friends and we we're about to get food and all of a sudden I, I was coming back and I was about to head outside and one of the kids from my, Ivan, he was in grade 8 um, he was really, really quiet he was sitting inside having his hot dog by himself and so I kind of, not thinking about too much, so I sort of said, hey guys I'll catch up with you later and I sat down with Ivan I, mean, I, want, I just want to build a bit of a relationship with him. The thing that really surprised me by that though is that some of the older boys in my team they started walking past and saying oh, Keith is inside with Ivan they sat down as well so all of a sudden, there was a group of people that were sitting down here at Ivan. Ivan actually was the centre of, the, of all our attention. And so we're all happy to be with him. And as I got to know Ivan, a few little triggers along the way, all of a sudden, he just, I'm going to go to the final boy, and I don't even want to comment on him. All of a sudden, he just exploded about the things that he loved and sharing it. And I got to know him over the next five years, and, and, and so he'd be, he'd be 30 now or something like that, it was a simple action, I'm going to sit with you, I'm going to invite myself, and all of a sudden it created community amongst the boys in my team, and that was fantastic to see that happen, so um, um, the table brings about community, the table also mirrors the character of God, um, eating with others can be a profoundly theological practice, because it mirrors the character of the tribe. Um, and it's a beautiful When we join together around the table, we we mirror those relationships that God has within Himself. And I think it's no coincidence that when Jesus gave him, his disciples a practice to remember, it was the communion table. It was a, a meal that they had, and we we celebrate communion in a very um, liturgical ritual way. Like we we have a little bit of cracker, we have a little bit of um, and and like that's it makes it harder when you've got a lot of people but that's the way uh, but for the first Christians it was celebrated in the context of a banquet um, this this communion was part of a larger meal a, a love feast they called it and the table therefore was was a primary symbol of Christian worship not the pulpit not the choir not the band not morning tea itself but like actually coming together to worship at as- And I wanted to, um, add, add one to, um, um, this one this morning. A few years ago, a few years ago, I was married, but I was at, um, Bible college still, and I was, I was fortunate, I, there was a visiting uh, lecturer from the UK doing an intensive, uh, on one of the theological subjects, and he actually, looked, he had written a book called Holiness in the Gospels. And what he'd done, he'd looked at each of the Gospels, holiness was specifically represented in those places. And when he looked at the book of the he actually said, holiness is represented in the form of the table, in the form of the And because Jesus would invite people to join in those special places, and none of those people were worthy. So the Jewry thought, oh no, if I come, I've got to be perfect. i wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head, and I've got to be worthy of other people's attention. No, because holiness flows from me, I'm going to invite you to join with this table. And So, this idea of transformational relationships through things like meals together, things like coffee together, all of a sudden become potential. Well, so how do we do all this? Before we wrap up, that how do we how do we sort of use our table to actually see this implemented? Because I can see going, oh, I have a struggle with a meal on the table for my family. Um, I know that is a struggle at times. Leftovers is a brilliant meal um, because it's big, beep, big on the microwave and fed in five minutes. But the thing is, how, how do we do that? Well, here at church, let me give you a few tips. Here at church, morning tea, take time to sit with someone that you don't know. Share your story and hear theirs morning tea is a great time at our church and that's one of the reasons we have continued to work hard to do it even with all the COVID extras that we've got because all of a sudden we actually get to share life together and I know some of us are busy, we've got to duck off and some of us, on and some of us can't eat some of the food but it becomes an important time that we week ago today I'm going to share, I'm going to pray for I'm going to, I'm going to hear someone's heart on these issues, invite someone new to um, from church out for coffee Oh, I suppose it surprised me then when I we first went to Chinchilla. We had Tessa. Tessa was about six months old when we got to Chinchilla. Had no other kids, so it wasn't the Rose Hoard. Just that little family there. number of people say, oh, we'll have dinner. Like, numerous invitations. The time that we were there, I think we had dinner at three people's places from church. And we got to the point going... "We." For people to invite us, we'll invite them to our place. We 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 can't we can't just sit back and go. Or oh, what's the polite length length of time to wait? We went. We'll do this. And I, and I think that's the thing. We've got to show action on this. We can't go. Oh well, like someone. Oh, we'll have to have you over for lunch sometime. And that invitation to sort of sit there for for sixteen years and go. Eventually, i come over. And again, you may not go. Oh my. Again, build that meal mealtime and that opportunity to get to know someone. Maybe as a family you have opportunities to host a play date. Um, grab some coffees and, and, and sit with the parents as the kids run off and play. Or um, have your children, um, um, friends, for a meal. You, you don't understand how important it is or how much of a blessing that can be. And it may not come up straight away. Your friends will have someone stay up for dinner and all of a sudden that child you share with them and talk with them they go oh i feel like i can talk to you as another grown-up in my life like Tess has had numerous friends of hers over at our place at different times and a lot of them belong to youth group now so they know me sort of in, in multiple ways and so all of a sudden we can chat about different things we can joke we can i can make fun of them we can do all those things that like it brings a bond together um, and so as an adult, we can say, do you know what? If my, friend, if my children have a friend who wants to come over for a meal, hey, I'm going to encourage that. Why? I'm going with them. We can talk about what we're doing on the weekend. It may be a model of what, hey, a loving family might look like. All these different opportunities that you have by doing that, Or you could do a G. Invite yourself over to someone's place. Again, as a young pastor, um, I didn't do this intentionally, but it happened a lot. Um, I think my first church, they felt a few times. And often I worked at a after-school care program, and I'd finish at six. So what I'd do, I'd drop in the people on the way home from work um, to catch up, fill up a partial visit, and then keep going home. Just worked out of my favour that often people would say, oh, why don't you stay for dinner? Sometimes it didn't work out of my favour, though, because some of the meals were a bit bit out there so um like we had um like i had one um, man one husband he said i love it when you come over for dinner i get to eat meat um like his wife was like no we've got to eat all this healthy stuff all the time and so he'd never get to have a steak he'd never get to have and i was like oh you can come over anytime because i get i get blessed as well but the thing is yeah do it do it jesus invite yourself over to someone's place like, if, if they're going to struggle to come to you, go to them and actually be that blessing to them. Um, make the most of the little things that you can do. And so all of a sudden, we're talking about using the table as a, a missional way. Um, and, and most of you don't look at your kitchen table that way. If you're anything like half the time you can't see your kitchen table. It's covered with other things. But have a look at that. Oh, this could be a sacred place. See, too often we go, this is a sacred place, and, and maybe, like, th- this is a sacred place, this is where we talk about God, and um, some of you might have a in your lounge room, that's a sacred place. Your kitchen table can be a table of great for people. Um, Jesus um, regularly used the illustration of a banquet to describe his kingdom, and we can demonstrate this over a delicious meal with friends or soup challenge this week that's your homework that's in front of you keep finding three people to bless but actually you may be able to overlap some of these find three people to have a meal together now some of you go oh i'm at work find someone at work say hey do you want to catch up and have lunch together now at first they're going to go that's a bit weird but again if it's a bit weird do you think you've surprised them yes yeah, so i yeah. You would have said, they don't think you're going to ask, like, okay, I'm going to go sit in my little space, eat my lunch. And and it could be one of these things. Some people, instead of having lunch, they go have their smoke break outside with actual smoke. Um, um, in, in his book, Michael um, actually shares a story about a, a Baptist minister who uh, invited uh, one guy had made the best margarita in pride saying I've never accepted his invitation one time and Michael you're actually missing out on a really big opportunity here there's no one saying that you need to go drink them but do you think of you I said next time they offer that accept the invite and so he did and he surprised them he's going what's this guy doing here and he just had lemonade or juice and, and drank that but I had more Spiritual conversations during that time that I had. Sometimes we've, we, we can go into spaces that maybe we're not comfortable in, but again, like Jesus, we invite ourselves in and we share that intimate time um, and, and it becomes this great um, story. I've got stories that we could go on for ages about this, but make the most of it. This is something, again, I'm not asking you to on a street corner and preach the word of God. I'm going to ask you to invite someone. Maybe it's invite them to a restaurant together. Like, And again, you might double it. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to invite them a restaurant. I'm going to pay for their meal. Actually, I'm going to do two things at once in, in doing that. But in doing that, I'm going to value them. I'm going to hear their story. I'm going to have an opportunity to surprise them by who God is in my life. And I'm going to be, have the opportunity to be missional in that. So that's your homework for the next week. Find three people to eat with. It could be a coffee. Um, and again, same challenge: one from the church, one from not in the church, and the third one can be either way. Or you could go really, really smart, invite three people over and do one hit. Okay, that's that's okay. So that's your homework. Very practical. And let's see where it goes. Like again, there's no pressure on you to actually read the whole Bible with them on that. I um, okay, I just want to start with Genesis, and um, hopefully you're still awake when I get to Revelation. No, it's just let that relationship grow. You might find that we'll have to do it again sometime. They go, hey, they might even turn around and go, can I come to church with you? And you go, oh, I, I wasn't meant to invite you, but you can invite yourself. Come along. Let's, let's use the practice that we can do to surprise the world that we have. I'm just going to take some time to pray now. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for, I suppose, the example that you set for us. And showing us how we can support the world that we live in. How we can show that we value them. How we can show them that we hear them. And how we can to what you have done. I pray that our tables will be a place for our for our families, for our church. But also for the lost that are in our world. Um, I, I pray that this week will be an opportunity where we are open to inviting someone to join us. Whether that's at lunch, at, at work, or whether that's a coffee some week, whether it's catching up for a meal in a restaurant, inviting someone to join us for a, a meal at home, but Lord, let us be willing to do that, and let your your Spirit work through that, so that we can achieve the other things that the Son came to do, which is to seek the lost and to serve those around us. So, Lord, I thank you for your example. I pray for a willingness and a courage to follow that through this week. I pray this in your name. Amen.